Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. You gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. so crazy about it's just music we're midway through 2016 and we've had a bounty of great music already it's time to share our favorites with you i'm jim DeRogatis, and i'm greg cott we're going to share our top albums of 2016 so far and we've lost a number of musical greats lately including P-Funk keyboardist Bernie Worrell. We'll have a number of tributes later on in the show. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and that, of course, is a little bit of Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Greg, we can now say definitively that it is by Led Zeppelin. (laughs) We have been covering the Led Zeppelin plagiarism lawsuit on the show. We've done two stories about it, and now there is a resolution. Yes, a Los Angeles jury decided that Led Zeppelin's uh, Stairway to Heaven did not, in fact, rip off the spirit instrumental Taurus. We did an A-B comparison a few weeks ago on the show, and there were obvious similarities. But the jury decided that even though Zeppelin had access to hearing the tune to the band, they toured with the band in the late 60s, early 70s, there was not enough similarity between the two tracks to warrant an infringement claim. There are some people who are outraged. Well, the songs sound exactly the same. They don't really. Uh, we're really talking about 12 notes, aren't we? Yeah. How many times can they be rearranged? And what we found during the course of this trial and researching this trial, that in fact the spirit instrumental, Taurus, on which uh, Stairway to Heaven was supposedly based, there are antecedents for that melody and that progression all through history of yeah. music. You know, going back to the, the, the classical period in the 1600s, a string arrangement from an Italian composer. There was a British folk composition in the 50s that mirrored it. And uh, Mary Poppins' Chim Chimari was also <laughs> <laughs> had a similar progression to that song. I always think of Stairway and Chim Chimari sure. in the same breath. Yeah. Everybody does. Chim Chimari, Chim Chimari, Chim Chimari, as sweet as lucky as lucky can be. Chim Chimari, Chim Chimari, Chim Chimari, good luck will rub off when I shake hands with you. I think the jury was right to back away here, Jim. Uh, the, the difference between inf- inspiration and infringement, once you start 
parsing those differences, you take away a lot of the basic building blocks of what pop music is built on. We have talked to uh, copyright attorney Jeff Brown from the firm of Michael Best and Friedrich in the past about copyright cases, including the Robin Thicke Pharrell Williams case for Blurred Lines that was sued for copyright infringement by Marvin Gaye a couple of years ago, a case that went in favor of the Marvin Gaye estate. We talked to Jeff this time about the connection between the Blurred Lines case and the current Led Zeppelin ruling. I don't think this changes anything with respect to the legal standard to prove infringement. The Blurred Lines case, everybody predicted copyright lawsuit mania was going to happen after that. And the reality is it didn't prompt a lot of lawsuits, though. These cases are really, really expensive to bring for plaintiffs. So if you take a look at Blurred Lines as an example, in that case, yeah, the, the gay estate won. They ultimately had a, a damage award of $5.3 million, but apparently they ran up $3.5 million of legal fees to get there. And if you're looking at legal fees of $3.5 million, there's not a lot of songwriters that are in a position to take that gamble and see if they can have things go their way. And I think now this case involving Led Zeppelin is the one that defendants are going to cite. You know, they're going to say, hey, you know, tame those dollar signs here. You're not getting what you think you're going to get. If you want to roll the dice and, and take this to court after you spend millions of dollars pursuing your claim, you might end up with nothing. Uh, I think that a lot of these cases, to the extent that they come up, you're going to see people working these out in the back rooms. And that, that's what happened all along. That's copyright attorney Jeff Brown, I think, nicely putting some perspective on this, Greg. The two big cases of recent years regarding plagiarism, Robin Thicke lost, Led Zeppelin won. Are we going to see more cases like this? Well, only if people have very deep pockets. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis. And if you've listened to this show at all, you know we love our lists. By the end of the year, we come up with a list of our favorite albums of the year, but we can't wait that long. Every year, halfway point, we come up with our list of the best albums of the year so far. Well, there's a lot of music to catch up with. Oh, we want to give listeners a running head start. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and some of these will show up on that year-end list. So what are you going to start us off with, Jim? Well, Greg, this is not necessarily discovery. I mean, everybody knows about Beyonce. She released with great fanfare. Everything Beyonce does is with great fanfare. Her sixth studio album, Lemonade, a few months ago. The big story everybody was focusing on, many of these songs are about marital strife. And uh, famously, her sister Solange punched her husband, Jay-Z, in an elevator. Uh, what's going on with the Jay-Z-Beyonce marriage? That does not interest me. That's TMZ stuff, okay? We made this point when we reviewed the album that it is really much deeper than that. Black lives matter. What Beyonce is saying is black women's lives matter. And often women, especially African-American women, are left out of the discussion about respecting themselves, about standing tall and proud and strong. I think this reaches far beyond whatever travails she was having specifically with Jay-Z to become her most political album on a grand scale. The personal is political, but also her most soulful and real album. You can't hate Beyonce, but I have never been a passionate lover of Beyonce's music, 
previously. It is often very distant and removed. She is on the throne wearing the tiara. You know, she is Queen Bee. You could not really feel like you could connect and, and talk to this person, right? And I think on this album, Lemonade, what she has done here is extraordinary in terms of digging deep, showing us her soul, and showing us a passion that has been largely removed and, and kept undercover before under all the gloss and the glitz. It's musically and lyrically much more raw and real and vital. I'm going to play a track called Freedom. This is a very inspiring march. This is a a political anthem to the streets, people. Get up, get excited, get energized, and take action. It's featuring Kendrick Lamar, and I think that she has a lot in common on Lemonade with Kendrick's recent work. Here it is on Sound Opinions. That is Beyonce with Freedom featuring Kendrick Lamar from Lemonade, one of my favorite albums of the year so far. We're going to run down a few each. Greg, what do you got? Jim, I'm a big fan of this uh, P.J. Harvey record that came out this year. It's a controversial record. Not everybody loves it. Not every P.J. Harvey fan loves it because, as usual with P.J. Harvey, uh, she's changing up the formula a little bit. I'm talking about the Hope Six Demolition Project record. It was based on her first-hand reporting, if you will, from three distinct regions, Kosovo, Afghanistan, and Washington, D.C. And she's talking about what she saw there. 
and primarily this juxtaposition of government bureaucracy against everybody else, the discarded, the ignored, the people who don't seem to matter in these worlds, uh, in different parts of the globe. And she took that and fused it with this powerful sense of protest music. Her lyrics are very literal. In the past, there was sort of this impressionistic, poetic, psychic wordplay going on. These are very specific images that she's dealing with. The gray buildings she's describing, the syringes on the ground, the people on the streets, you know, the kids with their fingers pressed against the windshield, you know, in a city as her car drives away. So she's really speaking from a personal perspective and creating a form of journalism that bleeds into protest music. You know, I love the fact that she's playing saxophone on this record, you know? She's not a saxophonist necessarily, but she taught herself to play this instrument, and it gives some of it a real free jazz quality, combining with this union rally kind of protest music. Mm -hmm. You know, she's standing up there on the barricades and and shouting some of these choruses, and and of course rock. A lot like Beyonce in that way, and wouldn't that be the double bill to and all double bills. I'm telling PJ you, man. And Beyonce. If we could just get PJ Harvey over here to tour once again, I'd be really happy. And a double bill with Beyonce would be amazing. Here's PJ Harvey, Hope Six Demolition Project, one of my favorite albums of the year so far, with the Ministry of Defense on Sound Opinions. <laughs> The Ministry of Defense from P.J. Harvey, the new album's called Hope Six Demolition Project, one of my favorites from the year so far. Jim, what do you got next? Well, I love that record too, Greg, and we've reviewed both of the ones we've talked about so far. We have not yet gotten to 
Blood, Sugar, Sex, Traffic by the Go to Beds. <laughs> I fell in love with this band in 2014 when they released their awfully punning titled Poor People Are Revolting. <laughs> All right. Gerard Kosloy, who is the man behind Matador, has a side uh, label called 12XU Record and a band named after the drummer in Wire. All right. So, as this Wire superfan, I got to check this out. What I found and what I fell in love with is a quartet from Pittsburgh who is doing a combination of that slacker, rock, deceptively laid-back, jammy sound that Parquet Courts has been doing, combined with something a little more aggressive. Think I Heard Her Call My Name, that great guitar solo by the Velvet Underground, something a lot more garagey. That was their New York album, the debut. This is their L.A. album. I'm going to play a track called Cold Gold, L.A.'s All Right. What do I mean by L.A.? I guess there's a little more melody, although the replacements, early replacements, chaotic garage thing is still there. The subway train rhythm, I love that subway train, New York rhythm. They put a little bit of an L.A. spin on it this time with a little bit more melody, as I said. And, of course, the the title is taking a shot at one of the worst bands in the universe, much less from L.A., Red Hot Chili Peppers. So the album is called Blood, Sugar, Sex, Traffic. Once again, very sardonic sly lyrics and a wonderfully hypnotic sound this is the go to beds with cold gold la's all right on sound opinions That's the go-to-beds with Cold Gold, L.A.'s All Right, from their second album, Blood, Sugar, Sex, Traffic, newly signed to Sub Pop. We are running down some of our best albums of the year so far. We'll give you some more after the break, and we'll hear some of your picks when we return on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. If it's a light, then let it grow. Don't let it fall, don't let it stumble. 
it's a light, then let it grow. Don't let it fall, don't let it stumble. We've been down this road before, seen too much now to ignore. Come away from the darkness, darling. Step back into the light again. If you call my name, then I will come. Don't let the wildness of time cloud your view. We'll keep walking this road, me and you. Come away from the darkness, darling. Come back into the light again. If you call my name, I will. Urgency of life in the distance. There is the truth which gets like a knife. I will die with thee tomorrow. So I need to say, I Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and we are sharing our best albums of 2016 so far. Greg, you and I, on the top of both of our lists, is the second album by Savages. We are not going to talk about that record today because Savages was into the studio for a live performance and an interview their second time on the show, and that is going to air next week. I can't wait. Now, before we get to your second pick about what we are talking about today, let's hear from some of our listeners. Let's talk to Chris all the way from London. Hey, Chris, thank you uh, so much for calling us from the U.K. Is that allowed now, uh, (laughs) post-Brexit? I'm sure they're monitoring my phone call. Yeah, probably. (laughs) So, 2016, halfway through, what's your favorite album so far? My favorite album so far is Lost Time by Taco Cat. Lost Time by Taco Cat. All right, tell us how you discovered it and what you love about it. This is one, it popped up as a recommended album for me on a playlist, I think because I liked the Beach Slang album last year so much. They've been around for a while, but I'd never heard of them, so I gave it a listen, and the first couple times I listened to it, I immediately liked it, but then the more and more I listened to it, 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 it grew on me, and I liked it even more, I think, just because how smart the lyrics are. I'm absolutely stunned, Greg. This is the first empirical evidence I've ever heard of a uh, you know a streaming service recommended. If you like A, you'll also <laughs> like B. I've never heard of that word ever. <laughs> so tell us what they sound like. Well, they're sort of a you know a, a pop punk outfit. They've got a lot of pop hooks. The album is you know twelve songs, nothing very long. It's in a little bit over a half hour. You know they're described in everything that I've read about them as a feminist pop punk group. And I think the songs definitely sort of have what you could call a feminist message, although it's always done with a really good sense of humor. That's cool. Let's hear a little bit of Lost Time from Taco Cat.
That is Dana Catherine Scully from the new Taco Cat record, Lost Time, recommended by Chris. Okay, so Scully reference in that song. The X-Files, are you a fan, Chris? And is that song all about Scully from X-Files? It is entirely, it's basically a biography of her. <laughs> really? It's terrific. It's, yeah, it's, just, it's a song that's just about her and, and, and essentially how terrific she is. So Taco Cat connecting all the dots for Chris, uh, Scully and Beach Slang, you, you've got it all wrapped up in this one band. It's amazing. It is indeed. Thanks, Chris, for that great recommendation. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Let's welcome Aaron from Long Beach, California, to Sound Opinions with a pick for the best album of 2016 so far. Aaron, what's it going to be? Well, it's Black Star by David Bowie. Oh, you know, I love that record, too. Why, why do you love it, Aaron? Well, I think it has a variety of musical styles. It's got rock, electronic stuff, jazz got some soulful parts to it. It's got some really cool musicians working with David Bowie on this album that bring a lot of like vitality to it. And I also think his voice sounds really great on a lot of the tracks. He sings in different styles, but I think in all of the songs he sounds really good. Yeah, he's working with a jazz trio, which was unusual for him. He'd never really done that before. Uh, this guy, Danny McCaslin from New York City. Were you a big Bowie fan before this record came out? Yeah, I was. I'm 41, so my gateway Bowie was the outside era. I went to see him on tour with Nine Inch Nails, and I really liked Earthling, and then his subsequent stuff like Heathen, Reality, The Next Day. And then from there, I went back and listened to the older stuff that maybe the 70s generation grew up with. I love this concept of gateway Bowie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's That's great, Aaron. I think it's like Double Fantasy by John Lennon. You know, coming out as it did just before his death, it's we're never going to be able to separate it as what we would have thought of that album absent his death. You know, it, it became his, his obituary, really. Did you feel that way or no? Well, absolutely. I mean, the album deals with themes of mortality all over the place, from Black Star to Lazarus. But I think that his whole career really dealt with those themes anyway. Like, you listen to a song like Quicksand from Hunky Dory, he's talking about Knowledge comes with death's release. So I think it revisits some of those themes that he's always kind of grappled with. So, Aaron, what song are you most excited about on Black Star? I picked Tis a Pity, She Was a Whore. Let's hear a little of that. David Bowie on Sound Opinion. When she touched me like a dude, hold your bad hands, I cried. Just pity she was a whore from uh, David Bowie's latest and apparently last record. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks very much, guys. Take care. Some great suggestions from our listeners, Greg, for their favorite albums of 2016 so far. You can nominate more of your faves by calling us at 888-859-1800 or email us at interact at soundopinions.org. Now it's back to our list, Greg. What's your next pick? Jim, I want to talk about Anderson Pack, an artist I saw for the first time at the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas a few months ago. Came back with a report for our South by Southwest show raving about his performance, a combination of rapping and singing, live drumming by Mr. Anderson Pack himself, gospel background, started out as a drummer 
in gospel choirs. He was a uh, drummer for Haley Reinhardt of American Idol on Ooh, tour. Yeah. And this guy's sort of been a journeyman, behind-the-scenes player in the music business for over a decade. He had his first album come out in 2014 called Venice, got some nice notices, and two high-profile cameo shots last year on the 2015 albums by Dr. Dre and The Game. That really got him noticed and set the table for his second album, Malibu, which I want to focus on now because it's one of my favorite albums of the year so far. You know, he's had a difficult life, and he gets a lot of that into this record. You know, barely knew his father before he died. He was homeless with a wife and child for a while after losing his job. He's 30 years old. There's a voice of experience here you don't normally hear on an early hip-hop record like this. This is one of the first albums of his career. But he's bringing a lot of life stories into this record. But even more so, the way this record spans eras reminds me a lot of artists like Kanye West and Kendrick Lamar who are bringing in basically the history of African-American music into their recent recordings. So we got the soul, we got the funk, we got rock, hip-hop, gospel, 60s, 70s, 80s references all over the place, rapping and singing, his drumming, some great musicians on this record, Robert Glaspar and Pino Palladino, the great bassist play on this record, and there's a real soul feel to so much of it. Here's a track from it, it's called Put Me Through, from the Anderson Pack album Malibu on Sound Opinions. Why the hell would you run this game? through from Anderson Pack. The new album is Malibu, one of my favorites of 2016. Jim, what is your next choice? Greg, I have to talk about The Ghosts of Highway 20, the 12th studio album from Lucinda Williams. Rock critics of a certain age loving Lucinda Williams. It's almost a cliche, right? <laughs> and I have always respected Lucinda Williams, but I have not been a super fan. She's been on the show back in 2013, but I think she is on fire in the last two years. It's very, very strange that she's been so prolific. She is known as a stonecutter, someone who takes a very long time between albums, but she has now given us 
two double albums in the last two years. I think this new record is psychedelic, all right? And I'm just a sucker for it, right? Some people are hearing it as long and languid songs that are of a certain mood and don't elevate from there. I hear it as wonderful Cajun psychedelic swamp music. A lot of brilliant playing by pedal steel player Greg Lees and a lot of weird ghostly songs. I mean, the title is appropriate. It's amusing to some extent on death, named after the highway that cuts across the northern part of her home state, Louisiana. But there are also moments of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, redemption, whether that's love or going to a better place. It's a sustained mood album that you really have to spend some time with to fall in love with, and I certainly have. Listen to this track. I think it's indicative of the greatness of the record. Can't Close the Door on Love by Lucinda Williams from The Ghosts of Highway 20. Can't Close the Door on Love by Lucinda Williams, a roots rock treasure. The Ghost of Highway 20 is the name of that album. Greg, another pick from you. Jim, I uh, love this new record by Eleanor Friedberger, New View. It's her third solo record. She was best known before that as the vocalist, basically. And what was her brother's band? Uh, Brother Matthew had this band, Fiery Furnaces. She was a collaborator in that band, but she said all along that was kind of Matthew's gig. And the fact that she's starting doing these own records show a different side of her musical personality that I think has really demonstrated how acute a songwriter she is. This is the latest example of it, and one of the best, I think, that she's done in her career. There's a very classic singer-songwriter's 70s feel to many of these songs, but she's exploring things like Laurel Canyon pop, classic rock, a little bit of psychedelia. There's different elements in this record that make it really musically diverse and interesting. I think part of the reason is that she recorded this entire album with her touring band, and they bring an element of musicality to it. But also, her lyric writing is terrific. She she's said she's moved to, to upstate New York. She lived in New York City for quite a while after growing up in the suburbs of Chicago. 
And there's a sense of, you know, somebody going out on long walks and just letting her mind ramble. And these songs have a sort of a stream of consciousness feel to it. There's almost a, a sense of very unfiltered feeling coming through these songs. And yet it's not it's not self-indulgent. These are nice, tight pop songs with these interesting lyrics that allow the listener to fit their own stories into it. Great example of it is the first track on the album. He didn't mention his mother. Right away, you're intrigued. What is that song about? Why didn't he mention his mother? You know, that, that, that's a short story. Yeah, in the making, that and, one sentence, and you really don't get an answer. You know, there's no specific answer, but there are many possible answers that she offers up clues for in this song. That's what I love about this record. I keep going back to it again and again for those kind of beautiful illusions in the songwriting, the lyrics, but also the wonderful melodies. He didn't mention his mother from Eleanor Friedberger. The new record is New View on Sound Opinions. I feel just as crazy as I did last night I feel like I'll get up and go Today I'm frozen but tomorrow I'll write about you uh-huh. A friend and her baby That was He Didn't Mention His Mother from Eleanor Friedberger, the new album, New View, one of my favorites of 2016. If you go to soundopinions.org, you'll find video of a performance of that particular song, as well as our interview with Eleanor Friedberger on a recent Sound Opinions. We're going to be right back with more of our favorite albums of 2016, plus a tribute to the late Bernie Laurel. That's In a Minute on Sound Opinions, brought to you by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He's Greg Cott. We are running through our favorite albums of 2016 so far. Before we get to our final picks, let's talk with one more listener. All right, let's turn now to Wichita, Kansas. We've got Greg on the line. Greg, give us your favorite album of 2016 so far. My favorite album of 2016 so far is by Weezer, and it's the White Album. Weezer is one of those bands, been around so long, so many people have come to take them for granted. Uh, did, are you a longtime fan? Tinkerton came out when I was first starting high school, and that was really my introduction into Weezer. I mean, I was aware of the Blue Album, but I think Tinkerton was the album that really uh, grabbed me and like, connected me to the band. And you know, ever since then, I've continued to follow their career. Now, people who are really religious about Pinkerton, who love that album deeply, uh, have not always been thrilled with what Rivers Cuomo has been doing in recent years. Make the case for the White Album. The White Album, it's a collection of songs, but it's a complete album in my mind. It's, there's not one song that I feel is out of place. There's some of the prior albums that just had some songs on there that you just kind of left scratching your head wondering what exactly what Rivers was thinking. But It was hard to know. forgive them for Hash Pipe. Yeah, and I think, you know, this album, I mean, I had kind of, drifted away from Weezer for a little while, but when I heard that a new album was coming out, I wondered, is this just going to be another nostalgic disappointment, or was this really going to be something great? And uh, I think this really proves that Weezer can still make great songs. Let, let's hear Let's hear something from the White Album. What do, you, what do you want to play? Probably my favorite song on the album is L.A. Girl. All right, here's Weezer on Sound Opinions. L.A. Girls from the new Weezer album, the White Album, that uh, Greg from Wichita really loves. You know, the big debate about, you know, Weezer for years. And we had uh, Rivers Cuomo on the show, and he's very forthcoming about this a few years ago, is that whole notion of emotional sincerity that people loved so much in Pinkerton. And you were talking about the songs being of high quality. But what about his emotional investment? Are you sensing that he's a little bit more committed to what he's singing about in some of these songs, Greg, or what's the case? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's matured in some aspects. I mean, there is some silliness to some of the lyrics and some of the songs on this album, but I also think some, there's some really heartfelt, emotional moments of this album, too. So, he's back. Is that what you're telling Weezer fans all around the world? Let's, let's all get back into Weezer. that they, they deserve our time, at least for this one album? Oh, I think it's, it's, it's a definitely a buy record for anybody that has ever liked Weezer. I think this is one of those albums that you can't miss. Well, we know Rivers listens to the show, and he tweets about us on occasion. <laughs> He's going to be very happy. You're you're not, like, one of the guys in Weezer, right? No, I'm not. <laughs> All right, Greg, he's going to be happy to hear from you. Thanks for calling Sound Opinions, man. All right, thank you. Now let's get back to our list. Jim, what's your final pick? Greg, the last album I'm going to talk about is The Coat Hangers' Nosebleed Weekend. 
The Coat Hangers are one of those bands I think would have been easy to take them for granted. I mean, they started out as a self-proclaimed joke back in 2006. They were basically uh, the little sister band to the Black Lips, fellow Atlanta garage rock masters of chaos. Sloppy, uh, silly, over the top. Now they've taken a leap forward with Nosebleed Weekend. This trio went to Hollywood, uh, to Valentine Studios, an old school analog legendary place where the Beach Boys worked, and they recorded this essentially live in the studio, this record. Um, I think they were inspired knowing that the Beach Boys uh, recorded in these halls. Uh, You know, there's also a lot of Beatles and Kinks, a lot more melody than in the past. And the goofiness is sort of toned down, which is a weird thing to say about a record that has a song called Squeaky Tiki, which seems to be an ode to uh, a a squeaky bathtub rubber duck. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it works. It just works for me. Sometimes you think this band is perfectly okay, and then five or six albums into a career, it can really surprise you. I love this record. I haven't been able to get enough of it. It's just a great, fun time party record. Get sloppy, get drunk, listen to the coat hangers. This is the song Make It Right from Nosebleed Weekend on Sound Opinions. Make It Right by The Coat Hangers. Nosebleed Weekend is the album, one of my favorites of 2016 so far. Greg, you've got the last pick. What do you got? Jim, I wanted to mention the uh, latest Kendrick Lamar record. This guy seemingly can do no wrong. He puts out music, and it's usually great every time he does it. I think uh, the Untitled Unmastered album, or EP, if you will, that came out a few months ago, uh, sort of got overlooked in some ways because uh, he put out a masterpiece last year, To Pimp a Butterfly, and these were billed by Kendrick himself as outtakes from those sessions. Uh, I think the sense that this was an unfinished work is wrong, because other than the fact that he didn't bother to put actual titles on the record, other than Untitled 01, Untitled 02, etc., etc., Uh, This is very musically accomplished, very much in the same vein of that stew of jazz, funk, soul, spoken word, avant-garde music that he put on To Pimp a Butterfly. And if these eight tracks had been included on that uh, original release, it would have made for one of the greatest double, if not triple albums of all time. The work is that consistent, that good. I want to play a track from Untitled Unmastered. It's Untitled 
06 from Kendrick Lamar on Sound Opinions. These metamorphic supernatural forces dominate what I see. A Gemini duality personalities always conflicted me. But don't be scared of me, girl. I can't explain. I know it's foreign to you. I know it's hard to believe. God, give me the favor. I can't explain. More than a compliment. And I can need some assistance. Let me show you how. I can't explain. Oh, I should know. I spend around two times. I'll be there with the answer. Let me explain. That is Kendrick Lamar from the Untitled Unmastered record. Untitled 06 is the name of the track, one of my favorites of 2016. You can see our complete lists at uh, soundopinions.org. And we want to know what you feel about the best albums of 2016 so far as well. Give us a call at 888-859-1800. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and uh, we have been celebrating the year 2016 with our favorite albums so far, but 2016 has also been associated with a lot of tragedy, Jim, uh, a number of deaths, and we had four major ones in, in recent days. Uh, we're talking about uh, Scotty Moore, the great guitar player for Elvis Presley, dead at the age of 84. Uh, we're talking about Ralph Stanley, the co-founder of the great Stanley Brothers, the Mountain Soul a duo dead at the age of 89. We're talking about the Memphis songwriting great Mac Rice, the man who wrote Mustang Sally mm. and Respect Yourself. And of course, we're talking about Bernie Worrell, the great keyboardist. Greg, we could spend a whole show on each of these guys, but uh, we in particular wanted to focus on Bernie Worrell, who died at 72, uh, because I think his accomplishments are not greatly understood. He was one of those consummate sidemen. Of course, Grew up outside of Newark, New Jersey, just like George Clinton did. Key member of Parliament Funkadelic for its heyday. Wrote some of the best songs with George Clinton, uh, Cosmic Slop and Up for the Downstroke, but also played with many, many, many other people. A lot of folks will know him best as the keyboardist for the Talking Heads, Circa Stop Making Sense. It was Jerry Harrison, the Talking Heads keyboardist, who brought him in mm. and said, "I want to, we're going with this big African sound, the expanded band. Let's bring in Bernie Worrell. Uh, never was not busy. 
later in life, in recent years, has, has made records with Bill Laswell and Jack Bruce of Cream, joined a band with Les Claypool of Primus that was called Colonel Claypool's Bucket of Bernie Brains, <laughs> uh, was also in a band with uh, Most Def, Most Def's rock band, Black Jack Johnson. I got to talk to and know uh, Bernie Worrell a little bit when I was coming up in the Hoboken, New Jersey music scene at Maxwell's. He was playing at that time with uh, uh, Human Switchboard. He, he had been on some songs on their uh, 1984 album, Who's Landing in My Hangar. Just the sweetest man and, and uh, you know, someone who truly loved music, literally could have played anything and everything and said, I don't know any genre boundaries, right? Mm. But I think what he ultimately did is take the Moog and other synthesizers and make us realize it could be funky. you got to realize in the early days of analog synthesizers, the ARPs, the Moogs, the Prophets, um, these were, you know, they were being played by guys in capes who were in progressive <laughs> rock bands. No disrespect to Rick Wakeman. You know, and, and in the avant-classical world, you know, uh, Stockhausen and stuff like that. Bernie showed these machines had soul. They had funk. And I think uh, we can say definitively he is the most sampled uh, synthesizer or keyboard player in hip hop. Everybody has stolen Bernie Worrell, Moog lines, bass lines, keyboard lines. That, I think, is the enduring influence that will go on forever. Not just the many records he made, all of the live shows he played, but where he took electronics into hip-hop, into soul, into funk, into R&B. Uh, you know, that 78 Parliament song, Flashlight. That's it. Oh, you want to know what Bernie Worrell did? Listen to this. That's Flashlight by Parliament from 1978, the great Bernie Worrell on the mini mode. The latest in a long and sad series of musical losses in 2016. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to cheer you up. Uh, we've got one of the great live bands on the planet on the show, Savages. You're sounding like me, <laughs> and I couldn't agree more. Sound Opinions is produced by Brendan Banasak, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our new intern, Daphne McGlean. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. 
New messages. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Ryan from Athens, Georgia. I am calling to take issue with your review of Coloring Book by Chance the Rapper. I love the album, but I think it is absolutely insane to say that Chance and his gospel influence is what's responsible for the life of Pablo. Kanye has been rapping about his relationship to God, his hopes for salvation since Jesus walks and before. I think Coloring Book is a great record, but I think Coloring Book absolutely never would have existed without Chance being in the studio for the making of Life of Pablo. I think Life of Pablo is a superior record, a superior gospel record. They're both great, but I think you have completely flipped the script on what inspired what. Thanks for the show. Appreciate it. We on a ultralight beam. We on a ultralight beam. This is a God dream. This is a God dream. This is everything. Everything. I'm trying to keep my faith. Hey guys, this is Simon from New Jersey. And uh, commenting on your anxiety type episode. How can you not do Breakdown by Tom Petty? The intensity of him during his live shows when he would just go crazy on the mic like on the Pack the Plantation album is just amazing and probably the perfect example of someone getting a breakdown directly from a relationship. It's an adult situation. I'm going to handle this like an adult, you know? So if you want to leave, you go. You got your life, I got my life. Honey, if you want to go, it's just go from Yangon, Myanmar, on the other side of the planet. I just listened to the podcast with your anxiety anthems, and I'm really struck by how all the picks are songs that sound really happy and upbeat in the music. The only link to anxiety is really in the lyrics. And I was wondering why these anthems don't include some songs that induce a real feeling of anxiety in the listener from listening to the music. So I would have suggested something like Intruder from Peter Gabriel or Paranoid from Black Sabbath or pretty much anything on Pink Floyd's The Wall. Bye. Love this show. Hi, Greg and Jim. This is Justine from Indianapolis. I really enjoyed your episode on anxious anthems. Uh, I wanted to add to the list uh, a couple of songs by Jay Retard. All of his songs really fit the sound of anxious anthems. They're fast, they're short, there's lots of strumming, and they really wanted their shows to feel like an assault. Great show. Bye. 
no more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.